Hi, I'm Russ Kapper, and this is HXTV, championing Houston's innovators and entrepreneurs. Brought to you by PKF Texas CPAs and advisors, servicing Houston's innovators for over 15 years. Our topic today is corporate innovation, and I'm very pleased to have as my guest, Greg Powers, the Vice President of Global Innovation for Halliburton. Greg, welcome to the show. Thanks, great to be here. You bet. So, Vice President of Global Innovation, just not too long ago, the Vice President of Technology at Halliburton. Tell us about this new title. Yes, um, well, it's a little bit like Tale of Two Cities. In my old job as Head of Technology, in Halliburton that means uh, R&D, creating products. So uh, it's that, the R&D game is all about structure. Having a set process so that with defined set of specifications, time frame, costs, and the R&D group creates the product within those parameters. And so the certainty of doing it needs to be very high because those are the products that the company has in their plans to sell. The flip side of my old job is my new job, where in fact my job is much more about uh, taking chaotic things and trying to make them more orderly, but not as orderly as I would have if I was creating a product. And that is, find technologies that are not currently in oil and gas and bring them into the oil and gas sphere for Halliburton. So the people that are creating technologies I'm looking for uh, aren't thinking about oil and gas. They're thinking about other things. So we've decided we will go out and find the needle in the haystacks, and there's a lot of haystacks, that can impact our business positively. And uh, right now, so I went from a job that had thousands of people in the organization to my current job is I am the organization. (laughs) I'm in the department of one. First time Halliburton's done this. And it's a fascinating and exciting time in in the history of the company in the sense that we've concluded we are going to participate in the world's research economy in a, in an, well, in as efficient a way as we can. In other words, don't spend too much money, find targets and work with them, which can include funding. You, I know your background, and it yes. is about as diverse, in my opinion, as you can get. Yeah. Is, is that helping you, or, is it, or is it, do things <laughs> move so fast now that it's non-applicable? Well, I think a little of both in okay. the sense that here I, I had to make a list because I can't remember all the industries <laughs> I've been in. But so I've worked for eight companies okay. in uh, 39 years, 40 years. Uh, that includes chemicals, polymers, industrial gases, uh, paint, uh, automotive paint, water treatment, light bulbs, air conditioning, biofuels, and now oil and gas. So I think this right-brainedness part of me gave me that flexibility to pick up and go into other industries. I almost never felt like there was something wrong going from light bulbs to air conditioning. That just seemed like a natural thing to do because after all, it's just engineering. Yeah, right. And oil is just engineering too. Um, So it didn't seem unnatural to me and maybe that's what will help me with this kickstarting this new job, which also has you know, practically no job scope. Go yeah. find technologies yeah. we need, Yeah. period. You know, you, you get to decide. You control the whole department. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I get to control the whole department. Yeah. I do have to answer to ultimately what we really want to do for the corporation, and I will answer 
these questions for the executive committee mm -hmm. is what are the things that we can do which will help us in a number of ways and that is lower our costs increase the productivity of what we do both our own internal productivity and the productivity that we try to present to the oil companies, that is make their reservoirs produce mm -hmm. more oil per cost. And then some societal things, make the environment better, mm -hmm. make it a healthier place to work and to live, and make it safer for our employees. So mm -hmm. those are my five attributes that I go after. And when I find companies that have technologies, mostly startup companies, that have technologies, mm -hmm. will um, I'm working now on how do I actually adjudicate which ones have merit in those mm -hmm. five categories? Mm -hmm. How do I try to predict how well they'll do? Mm -hmm. And then how much are we willing to invest in them to help them get there? Um, I'm working on that now. Then I'll have a cohort that of those uh, of companies with those attributes that I'll take to the executive mm -hmm. committee and say, we need to participate. Wow in this. So for full disclosure, I must tell you, uh, warn you, that I think we have viewers that are keenly tuned in to what you're saying now, right. that, that are uh, innovators, small companies, startups, entrepreneurs <laughs> with technology, and, uh, and I mean, you just, it, there's a chance you'll be overrun. Only if you give them my email <laughs> or my phone number, not my home phone or myself. Uh, but but so but I, I think I know where you're going with this, yeah, Russ. Yeah. How can I help focus your viewership yeah. to well, the things that are important less, to Halliburton? Unless, yeah, yeah, it would be good. To We're know. not. Yeah, that's right. We are not interested in everything. The things that are important to us right now that are both, uh, you know financially important to us and I think societally important to everybody mm -hmm. in terms of hydrocarbon is um, machines. So you know we pump a lot of fluids, we mix a lot of fluids, the machines all have wear characteristics, they have bearings, they have vibration problems because these are very big machines. Mm -hmm. So uh, typical, think of a single frack uh, skid uh, has, is driven by a 2,000 horsepower motor, diesel engine usually, and you can imagine when that thing is operating at full speed or high mm -hmm. torque, mm -hmm. you know, what the vibration characteristics are in a, in a energy chain that spans about 50 feet from the mm -hmm. engine to the pump and there's a transmission in between. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of horsepower being dissipated and how it wears, how it fails, how we predict when it's going to fail, mm -hmm. and how we extend the life of the equipment before it has the kinds of mechanical failures is a really important thing sure. to us. Because if you're out in the middle of Texas and you're out in the desert in the Permian and a piece of equipment goes down, now you've stopped. It's a big problem. It's a big problem. And we have to, uh, we have to remunerate the oil companies when we stop work mm -hmm. that we promised mm -hmm. to complete by a certain time. Mm -hmm. So uh, that causes us to keep spares on hand, and spares mm -hmm. are expensive. And we'd like to have a minimum capital footprint. So the, the understanding of the reliability, the predictive reliability, and the control of a very complicated ecosystem of machinery operating at just a frac site is very important to us. So, there's, so that's machines. Okay. That's one. Got it. Uh, number two is sensors. When we're drilling, uh, you know, there's 
there's nothing that you can really, you can't really image what's down there very well. We make a lot of indirect measurements. We make electromagnetic measurements. We make magnetic resonance. We make acoustic. Um, we make nuclear measurements. We look at um, uh, nascent uh, irradiation. Then we also irradiate the formations and look for reflections. Um, we look for vibrations. But we haven't been able to actually look at the rocks, visibly look at the rocks. So we're always looking for ways we can make direct measurements of the rocks and the constituents that are in the rocks. So, so oh, that's, a, that's two. Okay. I'll go a little faster for okay. the next week. Um, material science is actually a very rapidly evolving field right now. Um, and we think of materials in two different aspects, um, metals, and al including alloys, and uh, synthetic organic hydrocarbons okay. as polymers. Right. Right. So let's start with metals. Um, we always have corrosion problems sure. and all these abrasion problems in, down in a drill string with all this rubbing against the rock, twisting, mm -hmm. torquing, and banging. So we're always looking for lighter, harder, more durable metals and alloys. And when something breaks on the drill string down hole, if you don't have a spare on the top side, you could have a long, long wait duration mm -hmm. to get it replaced. Mm -hmm. And we don't like any cessation of the operation. Mm -hmm. So we're, along with uh, new kinds of metals and alloys, we're looking at how can we get 3D printing, or most people like to call it additive manufacturing right, right. now. How can we get that closer to the well? Wow. If not at the well, so think about, here's a, here's a fantastic future scenario. A part breaks on the drill string down at the bottom of the well. It's four miles away, and it will take eight hours to pull out of the hole. And if you knew what was broken, because you had enough sensors, and mm -hmm. you could tell which part broke, and you had a 3D printer right there, you could print the part and have it ready or by the time, time that tool got out. pulled out of the yeah. hole. So one more last one okay. is uh, on, on polymers. Uh, We've, we're at the very edge of the limit of polymers to be able to survive downhole conditions. Uh, we typically, we use a lot of surprisingly simple things like O-rings to mm -hmm. protect the seals, mm -hmm. the fluids, the, the inside guts of a tool mm -hmm. versus the fluids on the outside. Wow, that's a, there's a Fine lot talking. going on yes. and it's all, it's all hidden from the rest of sure. the population because sure. it's a group of people sure. that have these problems in common, but it's a very small society that does it. Sure. If um, somebody's watching, yes, that thinks, "Wow, you know that," but we need we need to get in touch with that guy. Is there an easy way that they can get in touch with you without inundating you? Oh, probably not, because okay. I don't have a I don't have a filter. They okay. can just uh, they can just email me. Okay. And uh, I will say with the one qualifier, I'll give you my email yeah. here yeah. in a second. The one qualifier is. Uh, we're not looking for software, okay. per se. Okay. And I'll tell you why. Um, we are a hardware company, right. and we do write a lot of software, but we start with hardware, and software is written to take the measurements, make the analyses, mm -hmm. or perform the control actions mm -hmm. associated with the hardware. Okay. Therefore, it's pretty much bespoke. Okay. And so people writing software out there that don't have my hardware mm -hmm. in mind mm -hmm. are going to find a very big mismatch right. okay. with that. We do, we, we're constantly looking for who does have uh, artificial intelligence, mm -hmm. machine learning things that can help us with predictive diagnostics right. of machines. Okay. But of course, we, we are of course working on that ourselves 
Okay, so now you already mentioned it, that you're going to give us your email address for these people to send their ideas. What, what is it? Yeah, it's a dangerous proposition. Yes, but it is. Send emails to innovation at Halliburton.com. Wow. Okay. Heard right here on HXTV. Greg, thank you so much pleasure, for spending Ryan. time with us. Great to see you again. You bet. Thanks. And that wraps up my discussion with Greg Powers, the Vice President of Global Innovation at Halliburton. And this is HXTV.